It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Hey everyone, welcome to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. As we navigate our way through the COVID pandemic, we continue to see progress in turning back the dangerous virus. And with cold weather here, holiday gatherings near us, we must remain vigilant in our effort to keep COVID at bay. And tonight, we'll get the latest from Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District. And later in our program, shining the light on ongoing efforts at Catholic to strengthen the community safety net for our most vulnerable populations. We'll check in with the team from Catholic's Community Health Division. First, we welcome to the program Heather Hill, the Communicable Disease Program Manager with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, I know you have some uh, new information tonight relative to some home testing. Get to that in just a moment, but why don't you give us a a quick update on where the current case rate sits as we uh, make our way through November? Sure, I'd be happy to, Jim. Um, Once again, we're happy to report that we continue to uh, head the right direction with our our case rate. We're we're still trending down ever so slightly, but definitely that's the right direction to go. And, you know, when I look at where we were last year at this time uh, to now, I think what people need to realize is even though we're trending down and we're starting to feel more comfortable with how things are looking in the world of COVID, Looking back a year ago, we were in a very similar situation, and things were pretty shut down. So I think going into this holiday season, even though our data doesn't look exactly where we'd like it to be, we at least are going into um, the holiday season where our, our community is a little more open, gatherings are happening. But that's also a reminder that we need to be extremely careful. Our hospitals are doing well. They're reporting once again that um, the admissions due to COVID are stabilizing and the hospitals are reporting sufficient capacity to get the work done. They have good staffing levels. The um, CBC West test site, again, is continuing to process this this past uh, 14 days. They... Uh, We're at about a 9% positivity rate, so once again, even that is decreasing in in our jurisdiction. Our case rates for that um, 20 to 39-year-old and the 5 to 14-year-old age group continue to be our highest rates. Um, That's where we're seeing the most disease. And then when we look at how our outbreaks are doing, and we currently, I'm, I'm happy to say, we have no active outbreaks in school settings at all. And the majority of the spread in the school age group really does continue to be in the community in events that are not in the classroom. And I think that's an important distinction to make is, yes, we are seeing kids infected and spreading it, but not inside that classroom environment because our schools have done such a good job of protecting our children and the teachers in that environment. So all in all, we're heading into, you know, the week before Thanksgiving, we're looking good, but we also know historically um, this time of year our data does unfortunately tend to trend back up. So we're kind of at that point in time where we need to take seriously, even more seriously, all those mitigation strategies we've talked about as we're heading into that time of year where we're indoors, we're doing a lot of gathering, with friends and family, and just how can we do this absolutely as safe as possible? 
I know relative to the case rates, you touched on test positivity, and, and I think that under 10% uh, is is good good territory to be in currently. But on the issue of testing, I know you have a new opportunity for people that they can get quick at-home tests. And the purpose of that, obviously, with the holidays coming up, uh, to protect yourself and, and make sure you're aware before the holidays begin. Tell us a little bit more about this program. Sure. This is a really exciting program that we were able to release information on just today on, on Wednesday night here. And what it is, um, Quidel is a company that has created um, influenza, rapid influenza tests in the past, and they have gone on and developed a rapid antigen uh, COVID test. And it's actually a test that's available in pharmacies and on Amazon, and you could certainly go out and purchase these tests yourself. But our our people here at the health district were able to obtain a very large number of the test kits through a mail order situation. So you can go online to sayyescovidhometest.org. That's all one word, sayyescovidhometest.org. And you can actually request to have these kits delivered to your house free. And each test comes in a box, and each box has two tests in it. And each household can have up to a total of four tests or two boxes. So this is a really exciting opportunity for us since we've been encouraging people to get tested. You know, right before you're going to go for a holiday event, go get tested. Just make sure you're not positive. Well, here's another really great opportunity to have this test kit delivered to your house. Tell your friends that are going to come over or your family that are going to come over for the holiday. Get yours ordered in and let's all commit to doing this in-home private antigen test before we gather and then we'll have a better idea if there's risk of passing it at our Thanksgiving meal or upcoming Christmas celebrations, you know, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all those celebrations that were are happening this time of year. Great way to just before you come get tested. Um, again, they're free of charge. They're very easy to use. It's just the swab up the nose, not very far in, and then you, I actually watched the video on how to do it. You put the swab into a tube of liquid, swirl it around, and then you put a test strip in, and in 10 minutes you have your test result. And this can be done on anybody two years and older. So really you could get the entire family involved ordering these test kits in, get your entire family tested before you gather. And as we are speaking tonight, we're a week roughly before the Thanksgiving holiday, so that would should allow for time if you order them and get them mailed that you'd have them in plenty of time before the holiday of next week. And then, as you say, as supplies last, I guess as they have supplies, you could probably do it subsequent to that uh, for other gatherings. But it's sayyescovidhometest.org. And the important point is they're free. You touched on you can get these in area pharmacies, but you'd have to pay for them. These are actually free, right? They are free to you. All you have to do is go into that website. You can register. There is a digital assistant 
and you can get signed up and get them mailed to you. Now, if you are not able to do it that way, we will certainly have some here at our health department office, and all you need to do is phone our number, which is the 460-4200, and the reception staff can help you access um, those test kits by coming here to the health department to get one. It's sayyescovidhometest.org, and they are free. And I understand, Heather, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's fairly uh, not everywhere. They're widely available through this fashion uh, in other counties around the state. So it's good for our area, that, given where we've been with COVID, to, to have yet another ability to, to help uh, meet the COVID needs. Right. There are eight health jurisdictions, you know, county health departments that access these in Washington state. And, and the vast majority of them are here on the east side of the state. So it's, it's just very exciting to be able to offer this. I want to finish this segment before we uh, go to a break real quick back to the numbers. And I was reading some literature in the state um, data and the concern there. And you kind of touched on it as well relative to us. And that's the point that while we, you know, I guess the graphs are are heading in the right direction. But as you said, uh, this is very similar to where we were last year. And I guess after at this time of last year on into the Christmas holiday is when that those numbers started spiking even more back up, right? Right, right. You know, looking looking at our combined rates, uh, for last year this time, we were definitely, you know, higher than we are now or just, you know, kind of right in there. Um, we know from historical perspective that, that we can spike very quickly during these holiday times because of all the gatherings that happen. Visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District, and if you would like to take advantage of that opportunity to order some home-delivered free COVID antigen test kits. You can do so by visiting sayyescovidhometest.org, and you should have plenty of time to get them in before the holiday arrives. We have one more segment of time with Heather, and we'll chat with her more right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to our program, visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, get into the vaccination numbers. I understand they continue to inch their way up a little bit. Uh, it looks like Benton County's total population now over 50% total vaccination. Uh, Franklin County right around 45%. So I guess progress being made. Any idea, you may not have uh, numbers specifically on the children, those 5 to 11 that just got eligible. What are you hearing anecdotally uh, from people calling in regarding the children's vaccine? You're right, Jim. We don't have numbers yet from Washington State Department of Health in regards to our our 5 to 11-year-olds, but they have told us that they will be letting us know sometime in the near future, how, how that is looking. But what we can tell you in general, anecdotally, we are continuing to get calls from parents uh, with questions about where they can get their vaccines for their kids. We know that uh, pharmacies have definitely reported that age group coming in to get vaccinated. So we know that there are parents out there who are very excited to get their kids in. And, and you know, we've seen plenty of pictures of kids posted on, on Facebook, um, 
you know, excited they got their shot because the families realize that this is really going to open up more opportunity for the family to do things and feel a bit safer. I know there's always, you know, continues to be concern about, well, I had the disease, my child had the disease, do I really need to get vaccinated? And and it's a, absolutely yes. We know that whether it's disease or whether it's the vaccine, it may not completely protect us 100%. Um, that vaccine-imparted immunity definitely is needed, even if you've had the disease. I think the other important thing for people to realize is there are many vaccines that require series. Our hepatitis A and B vaccines, they come in a series. Uh, shingles vaccine come in a series. So it's very common for a vaccine um, to need more than one dose to actually impart a good level of protection. It's also important to remember that there are diseases that are vaccine preventable, such as pertussis, that even if you were to catch the disease pertussis, it does not impart lifetime immunity. So diseases are kind of interesting in in the world of vaccines in regards to the vaccine does not always protect 100%. And in some situations, catching the disease doesn't always protect 100% for the rest of your life. It's very disease-dependent. And what we're learning with COVID is it aligns very similar to those infections that catching the disease may not impart enough immunity to protect you in the long run and certainly not for the rest of your life. And the vaccine is not 100%. So we need to use um, discretion and make sure that we understand how important getting that vaccine is on top of actually of having disease process. And for children, you touched on not a lot of data available, but obviously the, the clinical trials that were the studies that were done uh, leading to the approvals of this. What kinds of uh, advice would you have for a parent? Is it, is it to talk to your pediatrician, your healthcare provider, just like the advice for adults? Certainly, um, if you have questions, by all means, talk to your pediatrician. We know locally that um, the majority of our pediatrician population are anxious to get vaccines into kids. We do communicate with our pediatricians and our family practice doctors, and they are very, very anxious to get kids vaccinated locally. What we also know about kids and vaccines in general is kids' immune systems respond very robustly to vaccinations, and that's why we like to get a lot of these vaccines in kids at a younger age because they have a more robust immune response. Well, it appears the same thing can hold true for COVID. We know kids have a very robust immune response to COVID vaccines, which is a good thing. And I know one of the points that you had made more from a practical standpoint, given where we are with schools, that the, the, the numbers seem to be doing well in our area schools. But for these children that are now eligible to get vaccine, other one of the other positives is the fact that should there be a case in their classroom, if they are vaccinated, they do not have to quarantine? Right. They get to stay in the classroom and, of course, keep the masks on, which are, are still very important right now. But being vaccinated, if your child is fully vaccinated, and remember that's two weeks after your last dose of vaccine, that your children do not have to um, 
go home and be quarantined. So that really does help with family. It improves the child's learning. So there's many good reasons to get your kids vaccinated. And we're still fairly close. I know when we first uh, they first became eligible uh, with the two-dose regimen that the kids could be fully vaccinated by the Christmas holiday. So regardless, uh, that time still is pretty close in that realm. I do want to spend a couple of minutes with you. Obviously, Thanksgiving's coming up, that first big, huge indoor gathering opportunity. So in addition to taking advantage and getting these at-home COVID tests, what are some other key tips that people should keep in mind? as they celebrate safely, but uh, uh, celebrate with fun? Um, you know, just like last year, the message is the same this year. Keep your gatherings small. Uh, really encourage anybody who might have been exposed. This is a good time to not come to a gathering if there's any concern about exposure risk. Certainly if you have symptoms, even if you think they're just my usual allergy symptoms, Um, They can certainly be COVID symptoms. We know that at gatherings like Thanksgiving and all of these holiday gatherings, oftentimes we have multi-generational gatherings. Just remember um, the risk of exposing, you know, grandma, grandpa, your elderly family members, your immunocompromised family members. They may not be elderly, but they may have immune system problems, or even very young children who are not eligible to be vaccinated. Um, this is a good time to really be careful not to chance exposing them. And then we know that outdoor events are certainly much safer than indoor events. Hopefully our weather will hold. And maybe this is a good time of year to have a little more outdoor activity with your family. And then um, it's also a great time for football games. That's kind of what we do on Thanksgiving. And at that time, there can certainly be a lot of loud noise, a lot of cheering and making noise with your friends as you're watching football. We know that that can spread organisms from your respiratory tract a lot quicker and a lot easier when you're hollering and you're shouting and you're cheering your team on. That is a greater opportunity to spread those organisms that are in your respiratory tract. So wherever possible, try to try to bear that in mind as um, you're watching your events. And quickly, one minute left that we have. I know the other piece is how you, even it gets down to how you serve your food on a holiday. Right. Um, we usually think, uh, let's pass everything around the table. And this might be, again, the time to think exactly where is your food going to be sitting? How is it going to be served? How many people are going to touch the bowl, touch the spoon, touch the gravy ladle? And the more um, hand contact you can decrease on all your serving items, the better. And spread out. Not everybody has to sit around the table. We can certainly adjust how we're serving our meals to give each other a little more space. And then alcohol, um, we certainly know that alcohol does affect some of our decision-making, especially if we add a little too much alcohol, and that can decrease inhibitions and people can start forgetting all of those things that we really had put in place to protect each other from the holidays. So just being vigilant and really um, taking the time and the care to protect our loved ones during this time. By all means, enjoy enjoy yourself while you're taking these safe measures. Uh, You can still have some fun, right? Absolutely. It's a time for friends and family, and it's a time to do it safely. 
Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And again, if you would like to take advantage of obtaining some free at-home rapid COVID testing kits, you can log on to sayyescovidhometest.org, and they can send them directly to your home, and you can get all of those well in time before the holiday and make sure that your testing is done before then. Our thanks to Heather. Back with more of Catholic on Call right after this. Listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation as the community's lone not-for-profit healthcare system. Catholic has worked very hard in recent years to expand its reach out into our communities. First and foremost is the Catholic's mission of safe, compassionate care, but it also adheres to a promise to know, care, and ease the way of our citizens, especially those who are more poor and vulnerable. And today we want to share some valuable information with you on some initiatives underway at Catholic through the work throughout the community in the area of community health. And I'm pleased to welcome to the program Pat Lacey. Uh, Pat is a retired Catholic nurse, an incredible community health care advocate for a variety of health initiatives here in the Tri-Cities area. And Pat is currently chair of what's called the Catholic Community Health Council and is also a member of the Catholic Foundation Board. Pat, you did not retire. No, no, I didn't. Hi, Jim. But welcome to the program. And first of all, I I touched on, you know, everybody thinks, or many people think of health organizations like Catholic, that their primary role is take care of patients in the hospital, the clinics, et cetera, in the emergency departments. But there's really, it goes out well beyond that, doesn't it? Talk a little bit about what what inspires you to want to be part of what we call this community health council and, and how, what its purpose is. Well, you know, the Catholic has always uh, reached out in the community and been a part of the community in um, providing services, and one of the main ones was through the Catholic Neurological Resource Center. Um, I became involved in that uh, many, many years ago um, and actually was on their board for a while. Um, they have the uh, library, the resource library, Healthy Ages, Catholic Academy, support groups, and many other educational programs um, and it was around uh, the end of 2017 that Catholic made the decision to dissolve the nonprofit on uh, Neurological Resource Center um, and bring it under the Catholic Foundation. Um, so around that time, um, you know, Catholic was the only nonprofit healthcare organization in the Tri Cities, and uh, we really wanted to be sure to continue to involve community members, organizations, um, and agencies that are active. Uh, community partners for a healthier community. So um, we wanted to continue to support that um, and support our existing programs and to establish programs that made sense and would have an impact. Um, since I've always been involved in community health, um, I, I thought that would be uh, a great thing to do. And so um, uh, I really was in support of that. Uh, and for people that may not know, the Neurological Resource Center was established, what, 35-plus years ago, and, and, and it's become part of the Catholic operation. And, and the library that Pat touches on is located over at the Catholic Healthplex, which is a wonderful facility, and that's where a lot of the support groups for a variety of uh, neurological disorders and other 
types of uh, support groups exist. And so, and these are all free support groups. And I know the community health council concept, though, that you chair, it's it's a nice collection of community agencies, right? And is the idea just almost like, hey, let's network with one another and find out where we can make improvements and partner where possible? Oh, yeah, it, it definitely was. You know, when Cadillac, um, uh after, uh, oh, I think in around 2017, when we were getting uh, involved with Providence, um, they uh, Catholic established a community health department. And they brought, that's when they brought the library or the KNRC um, Resource Center and all its programs under its leadership, which is uh, Karen Hayes. Um, but this allowed us to n- not only do the neurological programs, but to um, expand on the services um, beyond neurological and as well as mental health and suicide prevention. So um, it allowed us to do a lot more. So as part of the, when the nonprofit status of the KNRC came under the foundation, um, uh, we decided to support the medical center and establish the Community Health Council. And the first time we met was in February 2018. And as you mentioned, I was both a a Neurological Resource Center uh, board member and a foundation board member, so I actively promoted that establishment of the council to further population health and volunteered to chair it, to chair it um, and have been leading the meetings since then. And you meet, I think, what, every couple of months, and, and you get, again, participation from a wide array of, of agencies throughout the community, whether they're things like our end-of-life uh, chaplaincy or Heartlinks, or you have uh, the mission, you have the Community Health Alliance. So a lot of, a lot of people coming together to share ideas. Exactly. We um, are, are trying to um, we support the foundation and the community health department, and it, it focuses on creating those community partnerships that can address continuum of needs and to identify and build upon or sustain efforts to elevate community health. And, you know, the council has been uh, establishing connections and strategic partnership opportunities um, we, we network with each other, we share information, and when possible, we support each other's programs. And, you know, it's over the last couple of years, it's just been tremendously um, amazing to learn and hear about all the programs and resources uh, that organizations in our community provide. Um, and we're very fortunate to live and work in such a caring and giving community. And as you said, many, many organizations have... Uh, they come into our um, council meetings. Um, of course, we're doing them all team right now. Um, but uh, it's uh, just amazing to know, to know what these people are doing out in our community, and we support them, and they're supporting us. So it's uh, really a, a win-win situation. And certainly uh, a thing called COVID has impacted everyone's lives, but certainly for the, the agencies and the people that need the services the most are impacted. So all the more reasons, even if you're meeting virtually, to continue building these networks and finding out ways that we can partner together to help the community members. Yeah, it has slowed down, slowed us down a little bit in, in affecting real collaborations. Um, but we have been focusing on learning more about um, the various organizations and resources on staying updated on programs that support our community. So. You mentioned quite a few of them, the Ben Franklin Health Coalition, Health Department, ESD, United Way. I mean, there's probably about 40 at, at some point in time that have tuned into the, the council meeting. So 
not every we every month that we have a meeting do we have 40 people 40 organizations but um, many many great organizations do tune in and listen and contribute um, to to the council so I feel very uh, fortunate to be able to lead that the medical center and the foundation also financially contribute and support many of our nonprofit organizations in our community and uh, many of our donors to the foundation support specific programs within the Catholic organization and within our community. So things like the library, the mammogram scholarships, uh, Grace Clinic, Mission, they're just a few examples of the financial support that comes through the medical center and through the foundation, our donors. So I'm very, we're very fortunate on that. As a foundation board member, um, I really think that we embody um, what the Providence um, system and Catholic believe in. And I would just say, if, if, if you're so inclined, uh, listening at home and would like to financially support, certainly all of these programs that, that are provided are almost every single one of them are provided at no cost, whether it's Healthy Ages, the Healthy Ages program that has been around a number of years, uh, the support groups that take place regularly, the library, the resource library, uh, these services, the, the the Healthy Ages counseling that is offered, these are available for free. And so I guess uh, if you'd like to take uh, contribute to the success of those, you can visit catholic.org slash foundation and find out uh, how you can uh, financially support these wonderful organizations that continue to make a difference in our community. Pat, I want to give you 15 more seconds uh, just to talk about... Um, your commitment personally what 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 is it about all of that that's make you wanted to continue to be so active in this realm after you've retired well i think it is um i i reflect back on on the catholic and our per- partners um you know where we remind our partners at every meeting that we are creating a healthier community together and you know being a nurse being in the medical field that's what we all need to do um you know not just medical people but the community there's so many parts of being healthy um it isn't just medical care so we need to keep people healthy keep them out of the medical care if we can um but just being part of the community and making sure that we are creating a healthier community well, thank you for your service. Pat Lacey with Catholics Community Health Council, a volunteer in a wide array of helping keep our community healthy and helping keep our community safe. When we come back, uh, Pat mentioned Karen Hayes. She oversees Catholics Community Health Investment Division, and we'll talk a little bit more in detail on those particular services. Do that. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program, continuing our focus on Catholics' community health initiatives that are outside the realm and the work of the daily work that goes on at the hospital and the clinics throughout the Tri-Cities and Benton-Franklin County area. And we're visiting now with Karen Hayes, who is the Manager of Community Health Investment 
at Catholic. And Karen has been a frequent guest on this program over the years, and I love to have her on because there's always something new happening within the community health space. Uh, But Karen, first of all, for our listeners who may not be familiar, Pat Lacey touched a little bit on some of these uh, activities that are going on in the community. But maybe if you would take a minute just to remind our listeners about what community health investment does and why that's such a key component of Cadillac's mission. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me on again. And community health investment really is talking about community benefit and how Cadillac, as a nonprofit hospital, gives back to the community. And uh, ways that we do that are to um, contribute funds to other organizations in our community that are doing great work and addressing some of the needs that have been identified in our community health needs assessment. And the community health needs assessment is something that is done regularly, right? So basically every few years, you and your team and go through and essentially canvas these, all these partners that you've developed over the years and find out really what the most pressing health care needs are. Is that simply what it is? Absolutely. So as a nonprofit hospital, we are, Catholic is required to do a community health needs assessment every three years. And we're very fortunate here in the Tri-Cities that we get to partner on that with the, uh, the Benton Franklin Health District and the Benton Franklin Community Health Alliance, as well as other partners in healthcare in the community. And uh, we work together to um, interview stakeholders and to um, survey community uh, groups and community members and do listening sessions. And then, of course, look at the quantitative data about what, you know, who who makes up our community and what are the challenges that 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 data can show us as well. And then from that community health needs assessment, Cadillac, again, as a nonprofit hospital, must come up with its own uh, community health improvement plan, again, every three years. And what, I guess, as we sit here this evening uh, getting ready for the holiday season, what are those pressing needs? Obviously, COVID, I know, has impacted everything, so that's probably health need number one that we could all agree on. But on an ongoing basis, what are, in general, what are maybe the one or two most pressing needs that these assessments have identified? Well, in the Tri-Cities, just like in many other places in Washington State and throughout the country, behavioral health is a a really great challenge, and COVID-19 has made it even more of a challenge. Uh, In addition to behavioral health, which includes mental health and substance use disorders, uh, access uh, to health care, mental health care and general medical care, um, access is often a challenge to people. And, you know, virtual uh, medical care um, is now more in practice, and that has really helped with some access. Uh, And another big need that's been identified is social determinants of health, and that includes housing and homelessness and hunger, uh, those things that impact people on a very basic, basic level. Now, you'd have to be a regular listener, uh, but we probably over the time have addressed those because, gosh, we recently had the Meals on Wheels team in here. We've also had the 
the Union Gospel Mission folks uh, addressing that the hunger, the the homelessness, as you touched on, Karen. It, it, it's and then uh, the one I think that really is has been the 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 laser focus is in this mental health space because it's such a huge issue and it's not easily resolved. That's absolutely correct. And as our community health department offers educational programs in the community, over the last several years, we have really focused on mental health. Uh, we offer uh, mental health first aid, both for youth and for adults, and suicide prevention training. Uh, one of them is called Question, Persuade, Refer. And the beauty of that uh, program is that it can be tailored to specific organizations and and demographics, and uh, we're very happy to bring that to groups in the community that would benefit from from that. Um, and also, we have been doing understanding grief and compassion fatigue. Uh, those are, are also ones that we've been offering over the last uh, year. It must make you feel very gratifying. I'm sure it's a huge task, but maybe just a quick summation in 10 or 15 seconds of, of why you do it. You must be very, very proud of the work that's done. I am. I am. And uh, the caregiver conference uh, we do annually, I think that's one of the highlights. And uh, just realizing how much we can help people who are caring for others um, that's really rewarding to me because they are ever so grateful for the resources um, and support that we provide. Well, thanks to you and your team that uh, puts a lot of work into this realm. It's Karen Hayes with Catholic's Community Health Investment Division. And if you'd like more information on the services that are available and some of these support groups that are available, visit Catholic.org. And also, we touched on uh, these programs take funding. And if you'd like to support the work of the Catholic Foundation, and specifically in the area of community health, you can visit Catholic.org slash foundation. Our thanks to Karen Hayes, to Pat Lacey, and to Heather Hill, and thanks to you as well. We'll talk again next week.